Welcome to the Arlington Street Church Podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Good morning. Can you all just take a breath? I think you can breathe deeper than that. Just a big deep breath. And whether it's comfortable for you to close your eyes or to leave them open. Yep, I can, I think I can raise this actually, yeah. Let's try that. No, I know. All right, let's give that a try. Whether, you know, just feel where you're sitting, feel what's holding you, start in your body. We aren't taught in this culture to be open-hearted, right? There's no lesson. And I came to open-heartedness as central to my spiritual practice the hard way. You know, whether it was the violence that I was growing up with, the shame and the struggle around being queer and being gender non-conforming, whether it was being 28 years old and being diagnosed with AIDS at a time before medication was available, every turn I came to in life, there was a reason for me to armor up. There was a reason for me to not let anyone near me, because the outside world was telling me that. That if I wanted to stay protected, I needed to curl in a ball. The last thing I ever needed to do was leave myself vulnerable. But at the same time that the world was telling me that, there was always this soft, loving voice of the beloved telling me that that was not for me. That I was meant to be open-hearted regardless of the information I was getting from the outside world. But I had to figure out how, right? Because wanting to be open-hearted and actually being open-hearted in this world when there was no bridge was something I had to go learn. And so I built in spiritual practices, actual skills, rituals that allowed me to drown out the messages I was hearing from outside of me. And some of the ways that I've done that have been through bhakti chanting in a yoga and Hindu tradition, which is actually reciting a chant over and over again, so song, ritualized song that gets through my thinking and gets through the messaging and immediately opens my heart. It always does, no matter how closed off or how terrified I am. The other practice that I have is actually kneeling down and putting my forehead to the floor, privileging my heart above my head. I actually physically have to do that. It can't be sort of an intellectual choice. I actually put myself in that place because my body takes over, right? My body just takes over after all these years of doing that. And what that allows me to do is it allows me to greet the world and myself from this place of expansiveness that does not come naturally to me. And more and more over the time, as I get more gray hair, it comes more naturally, right? But it allows that to just flow. And so some of what you've been invited to do here today is allow open-heartedness to flow. Flow in you as a way of healing and centering 
and to flow out of you because we heal in that exchange. We are hurt in relationship and we heal in relationship. And so our hearts are not simply individual, they are also communal. And so I can tell you that I can show up with my open heart, but when the community around me has also shown up with an open heart, it is palpable, it is larger than just my wish and desire to live in the world in this way. So my invitation to you is to try this on today. It may be uncomfortable, it may be awesome, it may be both, but another Rumi quote that, that I often rely on is, our strength, is in the gentleness and tenderness of our heart. So please, that's my invitation to you today. So when I first moved to Boston, I volunteered at a women's shelter and I, I just loved it there. I loved listening to the women's stories, these incredible stories of bravery and courage as they left violent homes or tackled addiction or figured out how to support children on minimum wage jobs. But I learned the most about open-heartedness from a 10-second interaction with an older woman named Margaret who ran the coffee and toast area each morning. Once when I had offered to fill in for her, she said, oh no dear, no, no thank you. Um, Louise says the toaster is interfering with her brain waves today she feels better if I stand between her and the toaster. I asked Margaret if she thought that standing between Louise and the toaster would help Louise's brainwaves, and Margaret looked at me as though I were a very small child. And she said, does it matter, dear? I clearly had a lesson to learn. And so I asked some of the staff, what is the appropriate response when someone tells you that the toaster is interfering with their brainwaves? And the staff member said something that I have never forgotten, that I return to again and again when talking with anyone whose experience of the world is different from my own. The staff member said, start with that it is true, because it is true for that person in that moment. Her point wasn't that I needed to be more open-minded, that I needed to be willing to consider somebody else's opinion and possibly change my mind, but rather her point was that I needed to be open-hearted, to hear people's experiences from a position of compassion and generosity, to hear their experiences as valid even if they don't line up with my particular understanding of the world. Start with that, it's true, also reminds me that when I'm telling my stories, I need to be brave enough to start with what is true for me. I often go back to that moment. And it has really translated into a life lesson in open-heartedness for me. As Unitarian Universalists, we are called to have open hearts and open minds and open hands, and I don't really know how. So start with that, it's true, reminds me that here, together, we bring our own understanding of the truth. And your truth needn't mirror mine in order to be valid. In fact, in many ways, we're all better off if there are many truths and many understandings to learn from. But when a member of this congregation 
tells me a story in which they have experienced racism or sexism within our community, or ageism, or ableism, open-heartedness starts to break down for me. I don't start with that, it's true, because I don't want it to be. And instead, I become invested in convincing them that there must be some misunderstanding. And maybe there has been a misunderstanding, but that doesn't remove the fact that this experience has occurred. So I default to this very comfortable position of open-mindedness, where I'm willing and able to see all sides of the story, and I end up doing what a friend of mine calls white-splaining. <laughs> white-splaining is explaining a situation from the point of view of a white person as though that point of view is the norm and those who are not white need to be educated about that perspective. For example, rather than opening my heart in compassion to simply be present with this person who has experienced racism or sexism in their spiritual home, my goodness, I white-splain all the other possible justifications for the experience. I white-splain that maybe you're too sensitive, or maybe you don't understand that kind of humor. Allow me to white-splain what that person meant so that you can see how you didn't actually experience racism, or sexism, or ageism, or ableism. You just thought you did. I work really hard to make sure that that person sees their experience as not possibly true, because I don't want it to be. Open-heartedness, on the other hand, starting with what is true and simply hearing that truth in love allows me to keep listening, to stay engaged, to build on that relationship. It gives me a shot at creating room for that person to be heard, to together devise a way for that experience to be considered and for us all to continue building a world that's peaceful by starting with peace in this congregation. Reverend Kim says, just say, oh. <laughs> I remember a sermon shortly before Thanksgiving when many of us were about to spend time with family members who may have different experiences of the world than we do, and she called on us to just say, oh. Listening and responding with a compassionate heart. One last example of practicing open-heartedness. Our drummer today, Matt, shared his efforts at open-heartedness with me recently, saying that he'd play a song in a service, and afterwards someone would approach him to say that they were uncomfortable with the lyrics in the song. So he used to say, oh yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Until he realized that the conversation ended right there. He found he could listen with a more generous heart if he simply said, Tell me more. Tell me more gave him the opportunity to keep learning. Start with that it's true. Just say, oh, and tell me more. My friends, Unitarian Universalism calls us to grow into our best selves, to have open hearts, open minds, and open hands. Open-heartedness asks us to not only speak our truths in love, but to hear truths in love. Open-heartedness calls us to be the compassion beyond the pain and to be the love to guide the way. 
Blessed be. And amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a donation by checking the mail or through our website.